This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to episode 70 of the Animaniacast. And that's what we call serendipity. I-D-I-T-Y Gosh, that was great! Thanks. Here, have a bag of money. Hey, I liked your song too. <laughs> okay, sport. Here's a fat-free yogurt. And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast out there dedicated to the animated series, Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode, revisiting all the cultural references and gags. And in the end, we give each episode a water tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again are my co-hosts, Nathan. Yes, sir, Baba Rooney. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of those. And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hi there. <laughs> Hello. Well, Kelly, you could feel free to take any of Yakko's, uh, you know, sayings as well, you know. Uh, like, what's another one? Oh, oh I feel so got free. Yeah, got yeah. any ham. <laughs> that was a good one. I like, personally, my eyes are burning is kind of a, is, is an interesting one. But we'll get into that a little <laughs> bit later. Today we are talking about uh, episode 70 of Animaniacs uh, starting its run on Kids WB, the WWWB. Uh, yes, episode 70 includes Super Strong Warner Siblings, Nutcracker Slappy, Wacko's New Gookie, and A Quake, A Quake. Now, let me ask you guys this. In just a few words, what would you say to somebody if they asked you about this episode? Nathan. I'd say it's a it's a strong opening to the third season. All right, yeah. and, and Kelly, what about you? It had a Spielberg reference. Yeah, it had <laughs> at least one. I think my no two, at least two. I can think of off the top of my head. So, yes, it was very Spielbergian. So that that Yay. extra points from Kelly. <laughs> well, after today's discussion, we will have a little bit of a uh, talk once again about. The upcoming Animaniacs revival slash reboot slash what I don't know what they're calling it. It's a, it's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's, some people might call it some nasty things as well, but we'll get into that. <laughs> um, uh, before we get into all that, let's go ahead and ask Nathan. Nathan, when did this episode first premiere? Oh, boy. So, uh, Joey, this premiered on Saturday, September 9th, 1995, which was 301 days since the last new episode of Animaniacs. It's been almost a year. Um, and th- we got two new episodes on this day, actually. So, um, as tradition for the season premiere, I'm going to go over all the movies that were released in the year so far. Okay. Because that's what I care about. Uh, <laughs> so... To name a few, there was uh, in March we got uh, Tommy Boy, and then April we had a uh, Goofy movie and While You Were Sleeping. In oh, May, I love that was, movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> in May there was a uh, Braveheart and Casper. Uh, for June we got Batman Forever, Pocahontas, Apollo 13, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. 
Then in July, we had Clueless and Waterworld. In August, we had Babe. So there you go. Those, wow. It was quite a film. I had to cut out a bunch, too. Yeah. Well, and and you know the Casper movie, uh, not the Casper mattress, the Casper movie, uh, was actually written by uh, a few uh, folks from Animaniacs. Did you guys know that? I knew it was executive produced by Steven Spielberg. That's true. <laughs> but uh, it was written by Sherry Stoner and Deanna Oliver, and according to... And this might may or may not be true, but according to the Wikipedia page that I am looking at right now, uncredited is J.J. Abrams in the Casper movie. What? Wow. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I remember seeing that movie. I remember seeing a lot of those movies in the theater. Um, yeah. I remember seeing Casper in the theater and there's a, and a power went out during the movie. You remember that, Nathan? Yep. I remember that. Yep. That was really fun. That was, that was, I remember seeing... Yeah. We saw Pocahontas and while you were sleeping at a drive-in theater. That's true. Yep. Back back. We saw that back, a double feature. What a weird combo of that film <laughs> that <laughs> <Yeah>. was. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, so many good movies that year. Wow, and Tommy Boy. I, I, man, let's just, do a, let's just do a whole podcast just about 1995 movies. That would be fantastic. No, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll leave that. <laughs> no, we'll leave all that movie stuff over to the Deuce cast. They do all that movie uh, stuff per year. So listen to the Deuce cast. They'll They'll... They'll satiate your uh, need for for movie talk. Well, anyway, let's get into the Animaniacs talk. That's why we are here, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into straight into our first segment called Super Strong Warner Siblings. Right! Super Strong Warner Siblings, Super Siblings. Super Strong Warner Siblings was written by Paul Rugg, and it was directed by Adu Payden. And Kelly, tell us what happens here in this uh, Super Strong Warner Siblings cartoon. Well, it's a an obvious parody of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which uh, I think used to come on after Animaniacs when I would watch it in you know, the afternoons. So I somehow I... I think it came on between Animaniacs and Batman, so I ended up watching it a lot of times. Yeah, time. that sounds right to me, too, yeah. <laughs> so um, I got pretty familiar with it, even though it wasn't my, my top show. But it's a, it's a parody of that. And um, the Warner siblings uh, are being attacked by... I don't, I don't know what her name is, but um, she's an obvious Rita Repulsa parody. Yeah, guess, for lack of a better word, <laughs> and uh, she's got her secret lair and keeps sending things to attack the Warners, and she turns a little bug, looks like a little beetle, into a giant monster, and the siblings put on their costumes and obviously have superpowers now, and then they kind of like the the. Power Rangers when they they can kind of get together and, and make a super monster, which wasn't that the same premise as Voltron? Yes, very much the same okay. as Voltron, whether it was yeah. with trucks or with tigers. I think yeah. I had I had think I had both toys growing up. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so but instead of a, a big robot, they turn the, the water tower into a um kind of a big monster machine itself and and that's i thought was really cool idea and um 
actually using the the tower for something besides just having that crazy uh, roller coaster and house inside of it. <laughs> and uh, they fight these um, kind of ninja-looking guys and like nerdy foot soldiers they kind of look like i don't know they have weird thick glasses with little they they have little x-ray goggle kind of look to them too i noticed again today it was was very weird design for those guys but that that kind of reminded me of the foot soldiers and teenage mutant ninja turtles and then i started thinking of what is it amateur radioactive samurai slugs which is from tiny tunes oh yes and now Back to immature so I always thought that was a really cute that was a parody of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but um I always thought that was hilarious. And um oh and um Dr. Scratch and Sniff was sort of their I don't know Zordon, was that the guy's name? I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't watch it that much or, you know, I didn't watch it with that level of familiarity. But he's sort of like the big talking head. What's up, Otto? Ooh, there's a big bug on the lot. <gasps> hey, what's wrong with your mouth? It's all fuzzy. Now listen here. You must destroy the bug before it destroys the Warner Brothers studio. Right. And um, <laughs> I think that, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, there's a lot of like little... Uh, references and stuff. I, yeah, probably some of them went over my head since I, you know, I kind of halfway watched Power Rangers, so I knew enough to know kind of who the characters were and the basic premise. But yeah, well, the, the there were some other similarities with similarities with the show. I mean, well, first of all, let, let's talk about how they, how they defeated the bug. I mean, they eventually like shrank it down, right, and then just stepped on it. And Rita, who according to the credits, I believe is named Riva. Like almost like Reba McIntyre, but with a V. <laughs> so Reva. Uh, anyway, uh, she has this line like, "Why does this never work?" or something like that, which I thought was kind of funny. Curses again! Oh, this never works. They don't have time to explain why this woman on the moon is trying to get the Warners. She just is. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it was very similar to the Power Rangers too, because in the cart in the actual show the Power Rangers were high school students. It was almost like Saved by the Bell for half of it. And then it would be uh, them jumping around. uh, They would go back to the old Japanese footage (laughs) and show show them in their costumes fighting. Um, The foot soldiers looked very similar to those gray... What were those? Were they called putties or something? Nathan, do you remember it all? You were were younger at the time. I I, I don't know. I just remember foot soldiers from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, but. yeah, because they did play. They did play. They did fight these like kind of foot soldierish kind of uh, things on the on Power Rangers first. That was it. Was the formula they had right that they 
parodied very well in this cartoon. They show yeah. they show the Warners <laughs> instead of being high school students, they are uh, you know lecturing people. <laughs> At the math institute or th- something like and that. And they're, they're singing songs to little children yes. and they're giving bags of money to different people. <laughs> well, I love that too. It really, I mean, the, the, or fat free yogurt. It was either yes. bags of money or fat free yogurt, which I just thought was, was so great. Um, it really shows how this is such, well, and I don't think we even mentioned that this, this cartoon starts right after the, uh, the theme song. Yeah, it starts as if the theme song ends, and they're picking up as they're, and it's a new theme song. We it's true. Oh yeah, like oh my goodness, we didn't, we're getting stuff out of order completely. But yes, uh, new theme song. Instead of saying uh, "Meet Pinky and the Brain Who Went to Rule the Universe," they say. So that whole "Wise Cracks by the Stacks" thing, I think, is gone as well. And they say. And they actually do have a variable verse this time, which is hydroplaney. Hydroplaney. So a lot Very of yeah. a lot of stuff in that opening stuff. We're so and, used to skipping it completely. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason they don't say Pinky and the Brain is because they have their own show now. Exactly. So, so you can't talk about, even though Pinky and the Brain are still seen they'll, both in the yeah, credits still and show stuff. Up. But. They even show up in this episode later. But yes. Uh, so anyway, anyway, uh, a lot of. <laughs> A lot of a lot of stuff we mixed right there, but it starts right at right almost like Roger Rabbit, where they pick up in the you know in the director studio uh, right after singing it. So what what we haven't realized is that every episode we've watched, the Warners have had to perform it every single or at least time. This time because it's a new one. They oh, might that's have true. Just it's a new season. New one, so. I never thought about that. Okay, so there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they're not that crazy about it. So anyway, and we're clear. Great opening, you guys. Thanks, Bill. We couldn't do it without you. Bill, it's people like you working behind the scenes that almost won us an Emmy. Here, have a bag of money. Wow, you guys are the greatest. Yeah, so it really speaks to the uh, success, I think, of Animaniacs, that they, they're kind of parroting the fact that we have bags of money, and they're talking about you you almost won us an Emmy. Yeah, and all that kind of, uh, <laughs> and 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 also that the uh, those foot soldier guys get covered up by the the Warner's uh, the Animaniacs poster as they're plastering it up on the uh, studio wall. So they're really referencing how successful Animaniacs had become uh, since its first and second season, which I'll call it, you know, season one point <laughs> one and a half. I'll I'll say uh, it's because a lot more self-referential it really um, was i watched an episode i think we're gonna get to it in maybe two weeks but um i ended up watching that kind of out of order the other day and i couldn't believe how self-referential it was yeah so it, it does sort of be seem to be a theme for this season yeah yeah it, which i which i kind of welcome because it's just kind of neat to see that there's a lot of self-referential stuff going on in this episode um so uh, oh and of course we forgot one repetitive thing that they like to say a lot in this episode. And uh, do you remember what that was, Kelly? Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, I really liked that the re- repetition of saying right every time. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the Warners did that. Or not the Warners, but the uh, Power Rangers did that a lot 
in the actual show, but Paul Rugg does like that kind of writing style. I, I, or And I think John P. McCann as well, when they were doing uh, episodes of Freakazoid. Do you remember this stuff, Nathan, when the, in episodes mm-hmm. of Freakazoid? Like have using a, yeah, they would read you like a, or, over and over and over again. Yeah, or uh, the uh, like cheap animation doing it that way too, which I believe they would do that in Power Rangers to save money. I'm yeah, sure they would. Well, the whole thing, like half of it. Shot. I mean, I, Power Rangers must have been the easiest thing to actually film because how much fighting did those uh, American teenagers actually do? Like almost nothing. I think they would have like yeah. one or two se- scenes where they would actually fight the little foot soldier guys. But whenever, whenever yeah, where they wouldn't be in costume. Yeah, then... exactly. They were like, "Oh, they're here in the school again. Fight them real quick." Okay, now they're gone. <laughs> well, just... I always assumed that um, Japanese programs kind of reused footage a lot, anyways, um, mm-hmm. particularly with the anime, because with Sailor Moon, usually about half the episode is uh, used from previous episodes, like their transform their transformation sequences. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's almost the uh, I don't want to call it filler, but it's obviously, you know, that many minutes less that they have to create new animation for the show. Yeah. And the transformations are usually really cool looking, too, because they do like a whole three dimensional like wrap around them and everything like that. But uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I don't I don't watch a lot of, of the Japanese animation, so I'm not, I'm not sure if they're all like that. Um, but usually kind of like with the Animaniacs, each new season, they change it up just a little bit. Yeah. So usually Sailor Moon would get a new power, and so the music would change and the sequence would change, but um, throughout the whole season it would almost be the the same shots all the time. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it, you know, I I certainly didn't watch. I mean, I was familiar enough with the Power Rangers uh, to to get the definitely the references. Rita sounds almost. I mean, Tress McNeil sounds exactly like. Uh, that Rita Repulsa from the original Power Rangers, which I thought was really great. Did y'all watch the new movie? I haven't. No, seen it. I've heard. Mixed, I heard it was not good. I've heard mixed <laughs> things. Most most people say eh <laughs> from that, but I've heard I've heard it's okay. I heard they spend a lot of the film not even as Power Rangers, and it's like, come on, guys, get into the costumes. Come on. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I I miss the goofy things. I I did admire some of the goofy stuff from Power Rangers, like the the thugs of Rita Repulsa that they're parodying in this one that are all like mm-hmm. badly dubbed, you know, so they always say a little bit more like what's going on with that. On with that I would like to know, you know, <laughs> and the, and the, just the weird voices, like the, the Scottish terrier or something, just suddenly like, Oh my, let's go over here. <laughs> um, and did you notice that green alien of, uh, of Rita's looked a lot like Yoda? I Ooh. yes, of course I noticed that. <laughs> I didn't know like what they Yoda. were trying to do there. <laughs> it's very evil uh Yoda looking like it graduated from college or something. I don't know what was going on with that <laughs> Professor Yoda. Um but Hey, that's actually a cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> a monster, of course! I'm wondering what kind, however! Perhaps this bug will do. You can use your powers to make it become a giant bug. That's what I'm thinking anyway. Uh, but it was it was a very funny episode. Oh, and I think we Nathan, do you remember their powers? We can't. There's so many different little things. We're getting right. this completely so out of order. Yakko was was a blowfish, um, I believe, and uh, Dot was a platypus, and of course Wacko 
was an anteater. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The anteater, yeah. <laughs> and they all end it with a great PSA as well. Hey, kids. Playing with giant bugs isn't cool. If someone wants you to play with a giant bug, just say, no thanks. That's cool. Right. It, the whole thing is just so, just so funny. I really, really, really liked this opening cartoon. Self-referential, uh, great action, good animation, uh, silly, silly stuff. What are you? Any other moments that you guys really liked from it? Um, I liked the giant battle scene when they're just destroying the lot and just like every, <laughs> like even when the building starts catching on fire, he like stomps the building out <laughs> to destroy it even more. Yeah, it will, and the, the plots even talked about the destruction, which kind of made me put me in the mind of what goes on with, with some of the recent movies, the comic book adaptation movies, where people right. are like. They destroyed the whole city and no one even cares. There you go. Animaniacs was ahead of its time. <laughs> now, yeah, to make it now a major plot thing in like the, the new Spider-Man movie and everything like that. Uh, Got to clean up the superhero mess. <laughs> so, okay. Well, uh, very, very good opening uh, cartoon. Let's go ahead and get straight into our next cartoon, which is Nutcracker Slappy. And Nutcracker Slappy was written by Earl Cress, and it was directed once again by Otto Payton. Nathan, tell us what happens right here in Nutcracker Slappy. All right, so uh, we start off with a new Skippy and Slappy song um, featuring much more Skippy than the typical Slappy song, because that one didn't really mention Skippy at all. But this one... Uh, puts him right up there with Skippy and Slappy. So that's pretty awesome. And then we break into uh, Slappy waking up and it's uh, the Nutcracker is playing and uh, she's dancing, I guess. I don't know what's going on. So uh, <laughs> she wakes up and uh, she they go to the kitchen and they find a walnut. Maybe I'm going to... I'm going to go back. Okay, okay. so <laughs> Skippy lifts up Slappy while they're dancing and Slappy falls on her, uh, Slappy falls on him just like in Fantasia kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And then then that's when Slappy has it. She's like, I'm done dancing around to the Nutcracker. Um, so she breaks, um, she breaks the dancing, stops the music, talks to the director, which is uh, a cameo, Charleston Woodchuck, back from uh, many episodes ago, Holly Woodchuck and also, episode. Uh, and, of course, uh, My Father the Tuna. That's right. He's so, been uh, <laughs> working up the ranks. This this yeah, woodchuck. He is now director, so that's pretty awesome. What's with six minutes of opening a walnut? Don't you see? It's a parable about man against nature. The nut represents the struggle to achieve our goals. Hey! My goal is achieved. <sighs> Let me put it this way, Slappy. It's Slappy, Baynuts. That's Charlton. Either you do this script or you don't get paid. He tells them that this is the the idea he's going for. It's a metaphor and all that. And if you want to get paid, just do it. So they do it. They find a walnut. It's the only food they have in the house, I guess. And they just need to crack the walnut open. They try just about everything. Um, you know, uh, nothing works. They even start 
throwing it around the house. It hits the director in the face, and he gets knocked unconscious. It goes out the window, gets eaten by a frog. Uh, then Slabby needs to chase the frog down. Uh, the frog spits it out eventually, and then they start trying to run it over with uh, vehicles, tanks. They eventually get it cracked open by dropping a giant bomb from an airplane on top of it. And inside, they find that there is nothing inside. And that was the director's intention to show that there, you know, the feudalism of the world or something. I don't know. And then she's like, "That's not a comedy." And then she stuffs him in the walnut. And then Skippy says, "Now that's comedy." There we go. <laughs> So there we are. Yes, indeed, we have a we have our first uh, Skippy and Slappy cartoon. A uh, lot of lot of musical stuff in this. So if you're not really paying attention to the visuals, uh, you might miss out on a lot of the gags. But uh, there were a few cultural references in it. Um, first of all, uh, Slappy does say to Charlton that she can't dance. Don't ask him. Or don't, she can't dance. Don't ask her. And there is a song. Uh, called I Won't Dance uh, which is just a jazz standard song uh, Kelly did you I'm sure you noticed a quick reference from uh, from Skippy as well I did not really consider that a Spielberg reference well I certainly did because he yeah didn't... I thought it had to be a Steven Spielberg reference I just right? thought it was sort of like a generic director I mean I, I guess it put me in the mind of Steven because, hello, why, you know, he's the director. But um, I didn't think it was a specific homage to Steven. Uh, I think it had to be Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Whenever, yeah, whenever that beard and the hat and everything, I'm like, I, I, I mean, I like Oh, you that. know what? I think I missed the beard. I saw the hat and, you know, it flashed by so quick. I saw the hat and he had the little, um, I don't know what that's called, a little eyepiece. Yeah, yeah, that little um, that little camera lens that he could look through it basically and see what the shot was yeah. going to look like. So I saw the, the hat. So I just thought he was like, I mean, I thought I knew he was mimicking a director, but I just saw the hat and the, the eyepiece. But yeah, I guess with the beard, then it then it would have to be Steven. Yeah, it's got. Was he be. wearing glasses? Was he wearing sunglasses? Yeah, he was wearing kind of sunglasses ish yeah. kind of stuff. So it, it's it, yeah, it was it was it was referencing Spielberg. I I did uh, think I like. It's written in my contract that when I was old enough, I'd get to direct. Yeah, Skippy has the same deal. Love you, babe, but we're losing our light. Yeah. Like now, now Nathan Ruger is old enough, and he is directing. I, so exactly, I thought the same thing on the way over here, Nathan. It was so funny that <laughs> Nate. So apparently, Nate Ruger did have a very uh, similar contract to. Uh, to Skippy in real life as well. No, it's, but Nate Ruger, of course, <laughs> is uh, is is a is a director of some short films and stuff. And uh, if you missed our interview, our uh, talk with Nate Ruger and his uh, brothers Luke and Cody, and uh, just go back a few weeks. It's a it's a really fun episode, and uh, you can learn what uh, those gentlemen have been up to all these years and a little bit of their experience uh, voicing characters like Skippy Squirrel. So there you go, little plug for a previous episode uh well th- this episode uh, also has a, a another reference of note and that is uh, i believe she calls him von stroheim hey von stroheim there's no nut inside this shell and uh he's a famous silent film director i believe from germany and kelly you were mentioning that that <laughs> sounded familiar and who did that uh bring up in your brain 
Well, it doesn't take much to bring this up in my brain, but um, <laughs> it made me think of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles and one of the uh, two-hour movies that was made after the, the series ended on ABC because they were stupid and canceled it. Um <laughs> was a young Indiana Jones and the Hollywood Follies. And in it, he meets Eric von Stroheim, whom I had never heard of up until that movie. And so I, I did what I always did after watching an Andy and I go and looked it up and pro- it was probably an encyclopedia at that time because it was still kind of internet was still kind of new. So I, but I looked him up and, and read about him and um, sort of an interesting character, kind of a, dramatic director from all my understanding yeah i all those german uh directors in the 1920s and 30s were they made some really cool uh uh films my, my favorite uh uh probably fritz i think it's fritz lang or long or how to pronounce his name but uh made metropolis and that's that's one of my favorite um silent films and maybe even just films in general uh partly because it is one of the major influences on some of the look of star wars so you, you gotta you gotta love those old uh that expressionism and and stuff it's good good stuff good stuff from german cinema cinema from its day uh well i think that was pretty much it i mean there, there's tchaikovsky's uh nutcracker suite playing throughout all this uh it which you know our sister has been in the Nutcracker as a ballerina for many, many years. Grow, you know, at, throughout the years, so we've been uh, pretty familiar with that music. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments, guys, of uh, this cartoon? Um, Kelly, let's start with you. Um. Well, I did like the Stroheim reference because it was sort of obscure, and I was like, ah, I know who they're talking about. So I always like when I, I feel smart when they make obscure references. <laughs> I I also liked when Skippy and Slappy were trying to run over the nut with a myriad of, of vehicles. And every vehicle, when it would hit, it would kind of bounce off. And I thought that was really cool. I think one of the vehicles was even uh, Slappy's uh, little old lady from Pasadena car, if I'm not mistaken. It looked very similar. Maybe it was different. I don't know. But Nathan, what about you? I like when Slappy looks in the mirror and her reflection gets so scared of herself and runs away. It's kind of cute. <laughs> and it was nice seeing Hollywood Chuck, you know, making it in the world of Hollywood. He really so. has. I'm very surprised that that annoying uh, uh, chip or chipmunk or woodchuck has made it so far. And uh, I forget what name that Slappy just kept telling, you know, calling him the wrong name, like Bernard or something like that. And then, of course, he called her Sloppy Squirrel at some point. Like, so it, I don't know. It's there's lots of little uh, for the, what little dialogue there is in this cartoon. It's it's good stuff, and uh, the animation's nice. There was a really cool part where remember they go up into the plane to try to drop that uh, walnut cluster bomb on the mm-hmm. walnut, and uh, their teeth are all sharp as they go up in the World War One bomber uh, plane. I just thought that you know their expression looked really cool. So there's a lot of cool little parts in this, uh, this little cartoon. That was nice. Now that's comedy. You're adorable, but that's my line. Well, let's go ahead and get onto our next cartoon. And it is Wacko's new Gookie. This is Michelangelo from the best episode of Animaniacs hooked on a ceiling. 
His eminence is coming. So you'd better listen to the animated cast. Oh <laughs> and Wacko's new Gookie was written by Paul Rugg. It was directed again by Otto Payton. And Kelly, can you tell us what happens here in Wacko's new Gookie? Well, since it's a new season, Wacko wants to try out a new Gookie because I guess he's he's bored with the the usual one. And he and Yakko are sitting on a I guess a park bench and he's trying out several different versions of it. And finally, I guess he finds one he likes, where he's kind of sticking out his tongue and tries it out on Yakko and he's like, nah, it's not really a, a gookie. It's more like a, I, I think he says something to the effect of mookie or schmookie or, you know, it, it rhymed, but it wasn't a gookie. And so Wacko wants to go and try it out on some different people. And he goes and visits Michelangelo from Hooked on a Ceiling, which I heard the music, you know, and I saw the, the scaffold. I'm like, ah, it's Michelangelo. <laughs> and um, uh, Catherine Hepburn, and they're sitting and, and having tea, and Bob Hope, and Larry King, and Larry King even takes some collars on his show, and Yak- I mean, Wacko tries it out, and um, none of them, none of them really like it. They, they all come up with other words that rhyme with gookie, but don't, you know, none of them say it is a gookie. So Wacko decides to just keep the one that he has. Oh, and then the most important part, when Yakko tries out hit some of his fra- phrases, um, one of them is slap my fanny. And Wacko says, Steven won't like that one. <laughs> so of course, that that is obviously a very clear reference to Steven Spielberg. Yes. My eyes are burning. Nope. I always wear cowboy boots. I don't think so. Looks like a pump feels like a sneaker. Oh, no. Slap my fanny. Well, Steven won't like that one. Don't worry, we faded out by now. I just saw the post this week. Highly recommend. Really good movie. Yes, I got it. And is Ready, Pre- Ready Player One's coming out this year, too, isn't it? March. March. Oh, my gosh. It's Man, Steven's been a very busy man lately with... Two films well, back to back, pretty he, much. He pulled the post together in like nine months um, oh. from start to finish. He, um, I, I was reading something earlier. It looked like he paused post production on Ready Player One to get the post together because um, it was already, I think, ready to be like they're already talking about um, premiere date and everything else. I didn't even know he was working on that film. It came out of nowhere. It was not. I mean, something he was working on a year ago. He's done that a few times because didn't like wasn't Schindler's List and Jurassic Park basically done around the same time, like same kind of thing. Um, sort of. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't remember which was. I think Jurassic Park was first. Yeah. So, um. He was working on post-production of Jurassic Park when he was starting to film Schindler's List, I I think. Yeah, I think but, that sounds um, right. Um, and I think that's sort of how he, he, he used to work. I mean, he used to do more films than he does now. I mean, there'd be a steady one every year, and now um, it's not quite 
uh, quite that often um, until unless he wants to do two like back to back kind of the way this one was. But um, uh, yeah, I and I I know someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he was he was working on post production on one of the films while he was filming the other one. Yeah. And I, I think Jurassic Park, uh, because the post-production of Jurassic Park was obviously going to be a lot longer than Schindler's List because of the special effects. Mm-hmm. Very busy man, especially in the early nineties. I mean, you got to think like with the movie directing and, you know, with, with Schindler's List and with Jurassic Park and hook and all those different things. Sequest. around Sequest with, yeah, exactly. And also being executive producer to, uh, shows such as Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, where he's you know dipping his toes into those things as well to kind of like and, check in and see how and they're going. Earth Two came out the year following Sequest's premiere, and that was two prime time shows um, that I can I know off the top of my head that he was producer of um, during that time period. Well, so a very busy man. Well, anyway, let's. <laughs> We got all of us. Sorry, we got off track again. Spielberg tangent. I must be even Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg tangent alert. Uh, no. <laughs> well, that that should be a new hashtag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, there you know, there's a there's a few uh, uh, you know references. I mean, Kelly, you mentioned Catherine Hepburn, uh, Bob Hope. Uh, Bob Hope mentions uh, Charlie Callis. That face you're doing right there that, uh, reminds me more of a Charlie Callis kind of chooky. You know, like that. Uh, I believe the only thing, Nathan, that you and I might be familiar with Charlie Callis in uh, was, once again, High Anxiety. He was, the, he was the man who thought he was a dog. Uh, who actually, mm. You remember that the, the weird yeah, little scene? Yeah, keys on someone's shoes. Yeah, it's, and... not, it's not the best scene <laughs> in the movie. But that's, that's, uh, that's Char- Charlie Callis. He did a lot of work with... Uh, Mel Brooks and Jerry Lewis and and Dean Martin and stuff. So yeah, uh, he act yeah he's a guy who acted weird <laughs> a lot of things. So you can see how he could do little faces from time to time. Uh, we had a uh, the other I guess reference I should note that we've noted before in the past is the whole thing of the Gooky itself uh, has its origins way back with the Marx Brothers with Harpo Marx and Harpo would make these faces. Uh, in his movies, you know, you know, you know, put out his duck face's lips and, you know, blow up his cheeks and cross his eyes, very similar to what Wacko does. Uh, and that is all referencing, I believe the story is, and this is like months since I read this story, but I believe Harpo was referencing somebody in their, in, in their neighborhood when they grew up. And his name was Gookie, or his nickname was Gookie. And whenever that man would concentrate and work, he would make a funny face. And so Harpo would do that to his friends to make them laugh. And and that eventually went into their vaudeville act and then into the movies and then eventually into Animaniacs. So the Gookie has a long history <laughs> that is uh, that uh, we can get it back into if you want to. But we've we've talked about that in an early episode of the show. So feel free to watch or listen to our previous episodes uh, to get into that. But, you know, Catherine Hepburn, I don't think most kids know who Catherine Hepburn is these days. It seems like everybody used to do a Catherine Hepburn impression growing up. Well, it's delightfully charming, but not actually a gookie. 
Spencer used to do a face very similar to that. As I remember, he called it a zap, zip, zappy, zippy, or some such thing. Uh, Nathan, what were some of your favorite moments in this cartoon? Oh boy. Um, well, I kept I kept hoping they would call it a Wookie at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that, what case that would be, but I thought that would be a lot of fun. Um, they met. They were this close. They were this close to getting it right. But whatever. So yeah, I, I just I was reading the the Spencer that Hepburn's talking about is Spencer Tracy. So yes. I always know of Hepburn and Tracy. I, I thought the animation was good. Like throughout this whole episode, the animation is is strong. Uh, so uh, like uh, Larry King's face is uh, really well done there, and just well, all the like faces that Wacko makes. Fifty one days to work on it. Yeah, 301, yeah. Since there was a release. Yeah. And then even more, because those were all just leftovers from season one, I believe. So, oh, that's just, right. So they pro- they had basically two years to work on these episodes. So, really uh, But yeah, like, the great animation with uh, Wacko's faces that he's making and everything. So just a lot of fun. Yeah. And we got a nice Arizona reference in there from Yuma, Arizona. Caller from Yuma, Arizona. <laughs> like, yeah. That just, and it sounded like... Uh, a, Pete from uh, Goof Troop was calling in again. Or... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that Rob Paulson uh, slash, uh, oh God, the guy from Jimmy Neutron. Uh, Jimmy Neutron, yeah, exactly. Jimmy Neutron friend voice. Which I know the people at, at who are listening are, no, Carl? Carl Weezer, that was his name. There we go. Yep, I heard uh, somebody. Okay. <laughs> it worked. Shouting works. It, it works. worked. Shout, keep, shout at the podcast. Keep, keep shouting at podcasts, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you're listening <laughs> to us in the grocery store. We'll... <laughs> Well, uh, Kelly, what about you? Any any particular moments that you just uh, thought really uh, stood out for you? I liked a Spielberg reference. There you go. Got to talk. Let's talk more about that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just you know, and other little things. I just like the the Yakko uh, talking about uh, you know you don't have to redo these things. Just just keep it the old way. It doesn't have to be new. I, with all the talk about reboots and revamping stuff and all that, I, I kind of took uh, – it, it made me kind of wonder, like, how much are, are the people at the Warner Brothers lot right now having sort of these conversations uh, themselves yeah. about anime? We need a new catchphrase for Yakko. Exactly. Yeah, like- and and you know what? They – I hate to say it, but they probably, you know, especially in today's environment, do you think uh, they're going to say the catchphrase, hello, nurse, in – in a new uh, Animaniacs show, I, that's her name. That's true. You got to say her name. She walks but into they, the room, and they should say like Doctor Scratches. I don't know how you say. It. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the secret. I mean, I would I, Ralph the guard. <laughs> Ralph the guard. Um, <laughs> they. I mean, they would have to. But they say hello to nurse to ever. I don't know. That's as long as they keep it equal, right? As long as both yeah. Yakko and Wacko and Dot can all say it, then it's all it's all it's all equal. You can all say hello. And then as long to as they say everyone's name like that inflection, <laughs> then it's fine. Exactly. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I just thought that was interesting. Uh, how coincidental that uh, Yakko was trying to change Yakko and Wacko, I should say, were both trying to change things up uh, in the new season. So. Anyway, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Keep it the same. Like, you know, oh, I don't know. Like, if you 
say he wanted to make sure that it kind of felt like the old show and and really uh, was reminiscent then i don't know maybe getting the uh the original writing staff and uh creator might be a good idea but that's just me that's just a, a <laughs> thought just kind of crossed my mind but anyway let's go ahead and get into our next uh cartoon which is actually a, a song and it is a quake a quake this is randy rogel and you are listening to the animated cast and a quake a quake was written by mr randy rogel it was directed by Al Zegler or Ziegler. I'm not really pronounced how to pronounce his name, so I'm just going to call him Al Z. Nathan, tell us what what happens here in A Quake, A Quake. All right. So, yeah, we, as you said, we have a, a lovely song. It's pretty educational, I believe, uh, at least for me. Um, it's it's all about the uh, 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 Northridge earthquake in 1994 that hit California. It was a, like a 6.8 earthquake and... Uh, uh, and then in that time, there's also floods and um, riots and uh, lots of other problems were happening in California. So they, they have a lovely song about that uh, incident. And uh, it's very catchy and uh, it's, a, it's a very enjoyable song. And then also the animation is uh, very well done. Uh, we have cameos from all sorts of different characters, uh, from uh, the Hip Hippos, the Mindy Buttons, Pinky and the Brain. Uh, Dr. Scratch and Sniff, everyone's reacting to these uh, earthquakes. And uh, it's, it's it's just, you just got to see it, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's all put down to the tune, The Happy Farmer, which many people would recognize from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, by the way, you, yeah, you did mention cameos right there. Mindy and Buttons uh, were seen in this cartoon and in the first one as well. Uh, yeah, I guess technically, but... Mindy had different uh, hair color and stuff in that one. Yeah, and the and the Warners were in the Sli- uh, Skippy and Slappy cartoon as well. That's true. Yeah, there, there's little cameos. We can't we can't mention them all, even though we just did. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the city, Los Angeles, California. On a starlit winter night, when the moon was shining bright, back in January of 1994. At 4.30 in the morning, and without a single warning, something strange began to move the floor. A quake, a quake, the house begins to shake. You're bouncing across the floor and watching all your dishes break. You're sleeping, there's a quake. You're instantly awake. You're leaping out of bed and shouting. Oh, for heaven's sake! I ran outside with neighbors. Their faces quake, a quake shot. is, uh, there's two I'm different versions of this song. Uh, there's the version that uh, is in this cartoon, and then the version I was most familiar with was on the CD uh, or tape or whatever he had back in the day of called Yakko's World, which was a collection of additional. It was the sequel to the original Animaniac soundtrack, and it focused mostly on educational songs, uh, mostly geography songs and. Uh, a lot of the songs that we'll be uh, seeing in these upcoming episodes, actually. And I was a little surprised watching this version of it and hearing uh, it performed live by Rob Paulson. Is I'm most used. I'm actually more used to the CD version, which has almost no references whatsoever to California. It's just talking about yeah, which, earthquakes which, which in general. Which version did they? 
which version did they do live? They did the, the uh, LA version. They've okay. done the yeah. When I when I've whenever I've heard uh Rob Paulson and Randy Rogel perform this song, it's always the LA reference is uh I believe the which, going the original ahead. version. Yeah, that's the, the original. Yeah. But it's it's interesting watching when you if you're ever able to go see uh Animaniacs live or sometimes it's it's known as Animaniacs in concert uh as they're going around and they they have a bunch of tour dates coming up. Uh so check your local city <laughs> area. <laughs> uh, I think Rob Paulson go to Rob Paulson's website. I, I believe he has them all listed on there. But anyway, uh if you list if you go to those you'll hear uh, they do do alternate alternative lyrics to a lot of the songs so i'll be singing along and i'll go wait a minute that's not what i'm used to hearing so that's it's it's always interesting uh but yeah i'm used to the i'm used to the the cd version which has among other things i think a funnier ending line uh the version of this says you know which speaks a lot to being a Californian, especially lately with all the fires and everything that's going around. And mudslides. And mudslides. And oh my gosh. And it's just like, I was in an earthquake so far. It's uh, true. You got in an earthquake. Just in the amount of time I've been here. So How big was that earthquake, though? That, what, it was okay. very small. I thought it was a big truck driving by. <laughs> well, we had, um, I've had two earthquakes here in Georgia. Wow. See, and we have some here in Arizona, but usually they're, they're placed in somewhere in Mexico and we just kind of feel... I don't know. Some people feel them, but there's an Air Force base in the area. So usually if I feel a rumble or something, it's like Nathan said, I just figure it must be a big truck or a jet kind of passing by or something. So the Well, I woke up one time in the middle of the night and my entire bed was shaking. And my first thought was that I thought I was living in an apartment. I thought the person underneath me had their fan going super, super fast or something. <laughs> and it was shaking the ceiling and that was shaking the bed. But then I was like, no, that can't be it. And but, I mean, because, you know, when you're awakened at like 2 a.m. and your bed shaking, you don't think of the most common things. And the first thought was not earthquake because I've never had them, but I've had that happen. And then my computer desk shook one time. And um, I think they were in the Gulf of Mexico, one of them, and one was in Tennessee. Kelly, did you? <laughs> I think you talked about that before. Did you say that it was oh. you ghosts? You thought it might have been ghosts? Okay. I left that out too. <laughs> so, yeah, well that was my that was like my second thought next to the ceiling fan. Yeah, okay. Again, not I mean, who knows? You, you never know. Well if you're not used but, to earthquakes, um, I would think, yeah. It's either ghosts. a neighbor or ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Please I mean well, why would I ever think that, that I would feel an earthquake in Georgia? I mean, it's the weirdest thing. You you don't think about that at all. So, yeah, some things seem a bit more practical in, in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> well, anyway, like I was saying, the, the, uh, the alternate lyrics for this, instead of We're Californians, are... Now the town is falling down, while the ground moves around. We won't let it get us down, gets beneath the doorframe. Which I always thought was funnier i i was it's so funny like watching this cartoon because i'm so i could sing the alternate lyrics like the back of my hand to this day i love the song it's, it's such a cool beat to it and when they say something different on this i'm going wait a minute dr scratch and sniff doesn't talk in this song <laughs> or 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 wacko and dot don't sing this line yakko is supposed to sing this line so it does it's they're both great uh but 
uh, if you're used to one version, you know, you're going to, I think, prefer one over the other. Um, I, I suppose the, I suppose the version, this version is a little bit better because it, uh, it's historically based and has a lot more of a cultural reference to the LA riots and to, and to other stuff. Um, I think Randy Rogel actually, he, he has a really good story and he tells it in his, in their live show. Uh, but basic, and I think it's my gosh, darn, it might've been even in our, uh, in our recording of it as well. And either in his, the Tucson comic-con panel or something, but anyway, he did talk about, uh, coming up with this song and how his house was really hit hard uh, by the that that uh, earthquake so it definitely had an effect on his life and therefore his uh his songs <laughs> so we got this great song out of it despite all the damage at least we got a really cool animaniac song is there any other parts in this song that you guys thought were good? Any any other little uh, moments that were funny, or it's just any lines that you really liked? Um, just the animation, like again, like just the detail that went into some of the quick shots that go in this, like is really impressive. Um, just things that are happening in the background, like when the wall falls down, it doesn't fall down because of an earthquake. It's because Wacko and Dot are holding mallets and that knock down the wall that almost crushes Mindy. Um, and there's like like posters in the background of the water tower for like uh, episodes that apparently aired in the 1930s, as they talk about in um, the testimonials episode, I believe. Yeah, there's some uh, like uh, some background posters as they're going by in the water tower. So yeah, lots of little small attention to detail. I mean, like the Mr. Director uh, clock uh, on the wall, like yeah, this... with the with the <laughs> with the little hands of the clock kind of coming out of his nostrils kind of yeah it looks it looks just really weird uh but really great um i agree good energy you can miss a lot of the references because of uh of the quickness and uh, the quick takes of the of the this cartoon uh kelly what about you anything else nothing really stood out but i um there was just a, a lot going on with the animation and um and I immediately realized that it was a um, parody of uh, from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Well, oh, did you want to mention the day that we're recording this, Kelly? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording it on January seventeenth, and in the episode, or you know, it says January seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. So I thought that was an interesting bit of synchronicity, and um, because that was when an actual quake hit. California, obviously, and um, thought it was kind of cool. Coincidence? Read the book. No, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it's oh yeah, and he which brings me to one last reference that uh, because of that uh, he says uh, this this is the city, and that is kind of a reference to uh, the old episodes of Dragnet where they would you know show this the city of I believe usually Los Angeles, but. I don't know. I never really watched old episodes of Dragnet. That was that was the stuff on Nick and Knight that you would actually, you know, say, well, it's, I'm going to turn this off. This is not the funny stuff. Anyway. Well, let's go ahead and get to our Water Tower rating. So what do you guys think? Out of five Water Towers, how many Water Towers would you give today's episode? Uh, Kelly, let's start with you. I think I'll give it four. 
I had a lot going on, and it was all pretty good. There was a Spielberg reference, at least one, um, two, according to y'all. So, <laughs> uh, always bumps up the score. Had a really good song, and um, a lot of parodying and self-referencing going on. So, for all right, and uh, I was going to say, and Kelly again, and Nathan, what about you? Oh boy, um, I. I almost want to give it five, but I'm going to give it four and a half. I think because of the Skippy and Slappy cartoon, it was a little like less interesting, I think. Um, but like, oh, it's, it's a really great episode, so I really enjoyed it. All right. And I'm going to go, I think the second time I watched it, I, I liked it a little bit less. And maybe because of the Skippy uh, and Slappy cartoon, but I'm still going to go ahead and give it a, a, a five. I think this is a, I just... It has a lot of just fantastic stuff in it and uh, just a really good episode all around. Uh, Really, really enjoyed it. So five water towers for me. Well, let's go ahead and get on over to our poll results from last week. So last week we asked which of these cartoons is the best Good Feathers cartoon. And this is our round three. So we had four different choices Coming in at the bottom was Dodo Boys with 10%. Coming up next was We Are No Pigeons with 17%. Hiccup was 23%. But the winner of this one was Pigeon on the Roof, which got 50% of the vote. So what do you guys think? Uh, Nathan, Kelly, which of those four Good Feathers cartoons is the best in your mind? Nathan, what do you think? Uh, I voted for Hiccup. Because uh, I, I thought it was fun. Lots of li- little different ways to get rid of hiccups, I guess. Kind of a scary looking uh, uh, godfather. Uh, <laughs> the god pigeon. God pigeon. Yeah. It, yeah. We've had some, we, while it did not win, we did have uh, some write-ins who not only told us that hiccup uh, is the best of those four, but it's uh, it's one of their best good feathers, one of their favorite good feathers cartoons. So hiccup does... Uh, does have quite a bit of a fan base. <laughs> Kelly, do you have a, of those four, which of those do you think is the best? I think I liked Hiccup best too. I just I thought it was really funny and all the different ways they were trying to get rid of the hiccups. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with pigeon on the roof. I'm going to go with the winner. I almost went with Dodo boys just because I like the world war one uh, aspect of that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just I just thought that was kind of a cool cartoon, but I'm gonna go with Pigeon on the Roof, uh, just because this just the songs. It was not a Good Feathers one that uh, I think plot wise you, you get you can get a little bit lost just because of the yeah. if the the editing of that one, but the songs are great. You know the referencing the references to uh, Fiddler on the Roof are I think uh, what uh, really saved that one for me at least. So there we go. Well, Nathan, what poll do we have for this week? Oh, boy. Oh, I just want to say I saw Goodfellas finally this oh, week. Oh, you did? So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to be a while before we get another Goodfeather cartoon. So I just wanted to say, no, I saw it. And yeah. Okay. So this week we have a new poll. Uh, it's a, kind of a, a, a repeat, actually. It's a Best Songs, uh, round two, I believe we're at. Um, and we've had quite a few songs since the last time we've done one of these. Um, so for at random, basically we have a uh, video review, uh, schnitzel bank, 
I'm Mad, and today's episode, A Quake, A Quake. Uh, so video review, they went over uh, to different uh, VHSs and sang about different movies, Snitchel Bank, they did the Friendship Song, and then I'm Mad uh, was the one where they went to the circus, and A Quake, A Quake, uh, I, we, we already talked about that one today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to determine which spelling of review I'm going to use for the uh, for that, because there's two... there's alternate spellings of it like review like r-e-v-i-e-w and r-e-v-u-e which is on the soundtrack which i always thought made more sense because it had more of a double meaning but i believe in the cartoon uh card it says review like uh i i I thought it was the u-e that's what i thought too well i I don't think i i I don't think it is that's what i have in my notes you know why i don't think it is because somebody online (laughs) called me on it <laughs> and i had to go <laughs> what let me check and i turns out i think the video card does have i i don't know that, that one's a weird one so anyway I, one way or the other you guys will know what i'm talking about you vote for that one <laughs> don't no matter us. what it's spelled <laughs> yeah there's two there's two alternate spellings of it don't get mad at me uh but you can uh make your voice heard on those poll by simply going to twitter.com slash animaniacast you could find that poll there or you can simply look on twitter for hashtag animaniacast poll and you can make your voice heard over there hey you guys it's rob paulson here um i am so thrilled that we have the animaniacast to continue to find a way to help me to get a freaking job thank you for listening bye well speaking of making your voice heard uh, I think we'd uh, take a few moments here to just to talk a little bit about what's going on with the reboot slash, uh, you know, revival slash whatever. Uh, so far, even though it's been suspected and hinted at that the original voices are coming back. So Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, Jess Harnell, Tress McNeil. And even many of the old writers have even said that they've heard they're coming back. Uh, there has been no official announcement uh, from Rob Paulson and and uh, the rest of the cast. I think that's partly because just because non-disclosure agreements. I don't think they really are allowed to say anything if they want to keep their job. <laughs> they have to they have to keep pretty quiet about that. So. I think, what do you guys think? Do you think it's pretty safe to say that we're going to be seeing the original cast back, or do you think they might go with somebody else? Uh, I think you'll get your the Warner Brothers and Sister and uh, uh, Maurice LaMarche. I think all those characters will be back. But uh, beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, just based on people's, uh, like at least their Twitter uh, talkings, it seems like Maurice LaMarche definitely knew something about it beforehand. And, you know. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, they definitely did seem excited. <laughs> yeah, about about it coming back. They're not. They're not complaining about not being. They're not saying like, "Hey, they should really have the original voice actors back." They haven't said anything like that. So yeah, I think that's a good thing. The the only the only uh, actors from uh, the the series that I, I think have not been uh, contacted of late, of course, of like uh, folks like uh, John Mariano uh, voiced uh, Bobby. And uh, Sherry Stoner, who voiced uh, Slappy, 
have uh, as far as I Nathan know, Ruger. Nathan Ruger, of course, yeah, have not been contacted for uh, Colin Wells. <laughs> oh yeah, get get Colin on the phone, folks. Come on, get that man over there. He's helping out the veterans, but he has to. You get let's get this man. Let's find out what Randy Beeman's been doing uh, since he came back from Afghanistan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, it's some like very PTSD stories no, of Randy Beeman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One day, yeah, that's right. Colin was saying that one day Randy Beeman saved my life in Afghanistan, that that's what Colin's new stories were going to be all about. It's going to be some dark, dark stories. Oh, boy. Anyway, um, so, uh, you know, if I were to, if I were to bet, it, it, it kind of think that those voice actors are coming back. But uh, again, as of now, the the writing staff, Tom Ruger, uh, Sherry Stoner, Deanna Oliver, uh, original, you know, John P. McCann, and of course, the original directors and so on uh, have not been asked back. So it looks like uh, Tom Ruger's team may or may not be back. This is, I think, still relatively early in the process. So it's you know anything could change. Um, so Kelly, I'm I'm really kind of going off of what you said before. You know, with uh, with Steven Spielberg being involved in executive producing the pro these you know this Animaniacs revival that one would hope that he would want to work with the people he knows have done quality work before. Right. Yeah. But, uh, there are some things that fans are doing to, uh, to voice their opinions about this. There is the, uh, Animaniacs, uh, change.org petition that is going around. If you can check that out, it is endorsed by, Nathan Ruger and several of the former writers and directors of the uh, of the series. It's uh, you can find it by going, you know, searching for hashtag right animaniacs, right? That's W R I T E animaniacs, R I G H T. And if you search for that right. hashtag, right, <laughs> right, right, um, <laughs> <laughs> right, animaniacs, right, uh, Anyway, if you search for that hashtag, you should be able to find that uh, that change.org petition. And here's here's my concern with change.org petitions. I think they're great I, I for voicing people's opinions and fans' opinions. But off the top of my head, maybe you guys can uh, you you know of some time that this has actually made a difference. But have these online petitions ever really made a huge difference in TV shows? I, I think they have, but I can't think of a case. Can either of you think of, of a time where a fan petition really uh, changed the opinions or, you know, did anything to to uh, get things done in a certain way? I mean, nothing comes to mind, but I, I mean, I would feel like they're if they see a large number, it wouldn't hurt. You know, it's yeah. if, if they're on the edge of you know, should we or should we not? You know, it's just one extra thing that they can point to and be like, oh, like there's a lot of people that would uh, appreciate that we did this. So, yeah. But Kelly, what about you? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? I know that like, I think Buffy might've been brought back. I don't know. It seems like, it seems like every now and then they have some sort Buffy of. Buffy changed networks. Okay. I think it's hard to say sometimes how much, fan involvement um has in bringing back a show i oh you know what i um i do think it was probably responsible for timeless coming back mm -hmm. 
Remember, I, I don't know if you need yeah, to Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah, Timeless. I watched the first couple episodes of that, and that and that did. They were able to bring that back at least for a a finale, right, to kind of wrap things yeah. up. So I think it's a short season, and it won't be until maybe later this year. But um, and I and, think yeah, and then sometimes I don't know. There, so I guess it, it, it's not. I guess what the point is I'm trying to make is it's not necessarily futile, right? I mean, as of this, yeah. as of the release, as yeah. of, right now, it's just, as of this recording, the petition actually has uh, just a little under 3,600 signatures, which is, it's very impressive. And who, and hopefully by the time this episode is actually released, who knows, it might have passed like 5,000 signatures or something like that. So it's definitely worth, uh, you know, going to our show notes and signing the petition if you have not done so already. Especially for the amount of effort it takes to do it. It's Yeah. It's definitely worth the time. Yeah, it, it takes very little effort to actually to sign the petition. But one thing I would suggest doing, again, I, I talked about this last episode and in our you know previous episodes when we talked about uh petitions and stuff about uh the Animaniacs is sending a, a professional and positive business letter to the executives uh, over at Warner Brothers uh, is definitely, I think, a, a better use of your time. They, they stand out a lot more, especially if you're writing them. If you're not ranting, if you keep it to one page. And uh, in our show notes, I'll make sure to put like a, a format that you can use for, for writing a letter. But that is, in my opinion, if enough people wrote nice, positive, you know, professional letters i think that would make a, a little bit more of a difference than any so you're online saying thing. if i were to write a letter to steven spielberg um i should probably keep it to one page yeah you should try as much as uh, possible yeah see that's we, why i haven't surprised we can send them ever... gifts and things and <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't want uh souvenirs and things no or... we can't bribe him i don't think he can be bribed <laughs> Well, speaking of Mr. Spielberg, where you can write him, you can attempt to write him a one-page letter. Uh, <laughs> his his address is uh, his business office, I should say. We don't have his home address, so I'm sorry, Kelly. You can't go knocking on his door yet. I would not do that. Uh, okay. I, 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 there's good security. I do you wouldn't do that. Huh? I said there's what? good security there. You wouldn't be able to do that. No, you know, I, I, I wouldn't do anything to disrespect him or, or bug him. Like even if I if I saw him out and about, I I would really it would really be difficult for me to even just go up and, and speak to him um because I I wouldn't want to bother him. Yeah, so. I know, I know the feeling. But I'd also not want to miss the opportunity to say hello to Steven Spielberg. So it might, it'd be like the, the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other. Like, do, I, <laughs> do I speak to him? Do I risk embarrassing myself and, you know, saying something stupid or I don't know. <laughs> it would be difficult. Well, for those who are interested in, in uh, writing Mr. Spielberg uh, a business letter here again is the address for that. It is 100 Universal City Plaza Building Fifty-one twenty-one. That's five one two one. Universal City, California nine one six zero eight. So you can write Steven Spielberg. Uh, tell him why you love the Animaniacs, and uh, if you so want, to, if you're so interested, you can say. And this is why I think Tom Ruger and uh, his writing crew should at least be able to, 
you know, pitch an idea of what Animaniacs could look like today. I think it's important to note that you you know you you say like that they are at least able to to pitch it. Not that it's like it's them or nothing. You know, uh, even Nathan Ruger Just online. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny. It's it it the the more especially you know talking with Tom and learning more about the 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 process of of how these characters came to be. I really feel like Tom is almost like Walt Disney to Mickey Mouse, you know? Tom is to the Animaniacs as if as uh, Walt Disney was to Mickey Mouse. And yes, Walt Disney of course didn't make Mickey Mouse himself. I mean, he had Ub Iwerks and other people there to to help flesh out that character, but uh, it it really seems kind of silly that if these workers, if these if these people are all available and they're out there willing and ready to go to work and to to make this a great production and they've done it in the past, then heck, why not hear what they have to say and and see if they want to go in that direction, right? I don't know. Makes sense to me. But uh, you can write Mr. Spielberg and I'm, I'm working on getting an address uh, for uh, some of the folks over at the Warner Brothers studio as well. They're a little more secretive. You can, uh, the Mr. Spielberg's address is right there on the Amblin website. So it's like you can go ahead and send him something, but sending something to the executives at Warner Brothers, it's a little little trickier to figure that out. So I'm going to do some investigation, and who knows? If I can figure it out, then I will put it in our show notes as well. Well, uh, when it comes to the Animaniacs reboot, we did ask the audience out there for some thoughts on uh, what they thought about the upcoming reboot. Are they excited? Are they anxious? And again, if you can send in your thoughts to Animaniacast at RetroZap.com. Jennifer here said on Twitter that uh, this is Jennifer Mesquite TX. And she said, I'm going to be sad if none of the original cast and crew are involved. And over on our email, William wrote to us. And William says, hello, guys, I'm too divided on whether or not the show should be rebooted. On one hand, it would be great to see some of the characters again and see how they would react to the present day. On the other hand, seeing how the creator, voice actors and writers haven't been called worries me because those were the factors that made the show work and certain reboots like Powerpuff Girls failing without the creator. I'm still holding hope because I hope the reboot acknowledges what worked, like the Warners, the Squirrels, and Pinky and the Brain, and what didn't work, like the Good Feathers, Mindy and Buttons, Katie Kaboom, or at least fix them. I hope Mr. Spielberg knows what he's doing with the revival, because I know he works with the same actors who fits his vision. That's from William. So thanks for thanks for writing in, William. And uh, yeah, he's, I mean, that's the thing. He does work with the same, a lot of the same creative people that uh, he likes to work with in the past. The The only question is, how much is uh, Mr. Spielberg really having in uh, the input of this? You know, there's part of me that wonders, does does Steven even know, like, uh, like how much of a, of a say is he having right now in this revival, you know, other than, sure, that sounds like a great idea, bring it back. Or is he saying, does he have the time? Uh, or interest as much as he did in the past to say. I believe that if he did not, his name wouldn't be on it. Uh, that's a good point. And that doesn't mean he's involved in every single day-to-day decision, 
Um, but it's like the interview that I, I had with Rob Paulson at Dragon Con. You know, he said that the reboot news wouldn't be even getting out without some sort of retraction if there weren't some truth to it, because anything that goes out with Spielberg's name has to be accurate. Yeah. And Warner Brothers and Amblin and, and nobody was saying coming out saying none of this is true. It's a false rumor, fake news, what have you. Um, so I think I think he's certainly involved and certainly aware that he's putting his name on it. Um, but I you know, it's like Tom Tom Ruger had told us, you know, there'd be meetings and, and you know, things would come up the chain and, and you know, be there for final approval. That doesn't mean he's there down in, in the trenches and, and making every single little decision, but but things filter up to him is what I gathered from, from Tom Ruger. Yeah. Yeah. What was what did Tom say at one point that he said their one of their main jobs was just to make sure Steven was happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Steven is is definitely involved, but uh you know, I think a lot of people uh uh, it's kind of dismaying on Twitter. They say, well, as long as Steven Spielberg's involved, then that's all that really matters. It's like, well, that is definitely a huge, huge, huge it's factor. It's very important. But it's not, to me, it's not uh, the, uh, to me, it's like the biggest factor is get the, get the people who actually wrote it. I mean, that, that to me is, uh, is more important, especially if you want to, if you want to refer, if you want to continue what was done in the past, then, get what worked in the past. If you want to completely redo it completely, then yeah, you would get brand new writers like, you know, like Looney Tunes has been rebooted so many different ways and some more successfully than others and with different kind of voices to it each time. So, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of a, I think either way, uh, Warner Brothers really needs to come forward and say what their vision is going forward for Animaniacs uh, based upon that, graphic that they put out if the graphic says anything with uh, the traditional kind of hand-drawn yakko wacko and dot and pinky in the brain it, it seems like they're going for the traditional kind of style and feel so uh, one of the best ways to do that at least in my opinion is probably to go with uh, the original creators that uh, are able and willing to work on it which there are many many that are able and willing to work on it so anyway uh, let us know what you think. Once again, you can uh, email us at animaniacast at retrozap.com. Don't forget that online petition. And of course, you can write those letters to Mr. Spielberg. Just please, please, please make sure they're professional. Make sure they're positive. <laughs> no online YouTube rants or anything like that where you talk about how you hate the show now and it's <laughs> going to be stupid unless it's this or that. Don't talk like that. Come on. Don't come give on. them ideas, Joe. Yeah. If hey, I, I, I will. I will even. I will even go this far. If if you uh, have a letter that you want to send to Mr. Spielberg or whomever, and you're and you are not sure if it's good or you want a proofreader. I personally will proofread your letter and I will give you feedback. And, and that is that is me as a teacher speaking to the audience. Will you read will you read mine too? I will read yours too, Kelly. You can email your letter to us over at animaniacast at retrozap.com and I'll just I'll I'll make little suggestions here or there, but uh if if you are if you really want my my two cents in on it. But uh there you go. So let's go ahead and uh and, that's our news for today, but let's go ahead and get oh, over. I, oh, can what? I say something yes, about please Hulu? Do. Oh, yes. For anyone Nathan. that's 
that's confused after watch, listening to this whole episode and they watched it on Hulu and they're like, that was the wrong episode. It's because Hulu has them out of order. So um, if you've gotten this far and you hadn't figured that out yet, um, episode three on season three, this should be episode one of season three. That's true. And then also season two is not like 20 episodes like uh, Hulu says it is. So they're wrong. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There may be other problems too. That was just what I noticed. Um, just want to point that out. Thank you. Yeah. It seems like uh, <laughs> Netflix did it based upon kind of the, um, the DVD releases, how they called them volumes. And now with, uh, with a new uh, distributor, they're kind of deciding, well, let's just put them out like this and how to group them. How to how to group them so that people can binge them in a way that we think is appropriate? I suppose. I don't yeah, know exactly. They, how. Basically, they added up season one and two. So they put thirty, you know, four and thirty-five or something yeah. to equal the sixty-nine episodes. And there we go. That was. That's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people get in contact with you? So if you go on to Twitter, I am at DjangoFT. Um, that is me. Thank you. Okay. Right. Right. And <laughs> Kelly, what about you? So you can find me on Twitter at Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. All right. And as for the Animaniacast, we, of course, are on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, we continue to upload a bunch of our older episodes up on YouTube as well, so you can check those older episodes out. And you can also email us, which is animaniacast at retrozap.com. And speaking of retrozap.com, hey, you should head over there. You know why? Because it's awesome. They have new articles. They have new uh, podcasts every single day over there. Podcasts such as The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files, the Ardcast, Beltway Banthas, Bruise and Blasters, Classic Marvel Star Wars Comics, The Deucecast Movie Show, Dork Lair, Doomcast, Green Justice, and Arrow Podcast, Kanata's Castle, The Sandcrawler Podcast, Scarlet Velocity, A Flash Podcast, Skywalking Through Neverland, Starships, Sabres and Scoundrels, Talking Apes TV, Techno Retro Dads, Terrigan Dreams, The Trade Federation, Warp Trails, and We Know Nothing. There's so many different podcasts over there. Check them all out and uh, just just binge podcasts all day at RetroZap. That's a great way to spend your time. So with all of that, it's time to wrap things up. So for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.